I'm Mel Stewart, and this is Swim Swim Podcast. Joining me today is the professor of fast swimming, the maestro of speed, four-time Olympic medalist, three-time Olympic champion, the oldest man to ever win an individual Olympic gold medal, Anthony Irvin. Hello, Mel. <laughs> Dad, we have to. So I'm going to do some full disclosures in the beginning of this. Uh, I've done many clinics. I've done many moments, you know, working with USA Swimming or working in clubs, and I've stood on deck for people for ten hours. And I would have to say that the most fun I ever had doing that was with you. I think we're in Colorado Springs, and we did it with a big group of kids, and then we went out to like Dave and Buster's and. For a period of time, hanging with you, I felt like I was a 12-year-old age group swimmer, and it was, it was bliss. You know what? Now that you bring that up, I remember that, too. We were running around playing video games, uh, just deliberately forgetting our, our mature selves for a little while. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. So the, uh, the, I'm, I'm bringing you on because I often say that I hate sprinters. And I actually saw you on another podcast where you guys were seemed you were talking with a lot of peers and you were very sensitive about sprinting. And the truth is, um, it's pure jealousy. And, uh, and my knowledge of speed is so weak. I Googled, um, questions for 50 free sprinters right before you came on. Like I, it's like, it's like I could do, if, if I swam a 200 yard freestyle, um, and I went out in that 200 free and I, and I, and then I swam a 50 free. The, the difference between the 50 free and the first 50 of the 200 free would be almost would be nothing like it, that. That's my knowledge base. And there are a lot really? of us out, wait, there, wait, so, so, out there like that. that. That begs the question even from me is, um, would you, do you mean there would be no difference in your effort level or there'd be no difference in your time, but the effort could be radically different. The effort level sprinting was was much higher. Like I'm going for it. I'm digging in and I'm going for it. And uh, and and the, it, yes, no, the time would be essentially the same. I'd be it'd be faster in the fifty, but uh, you know if I put it in fifth gear and and try and do it, it's just not there. Uh, but if I relax into a rhythm that I understand as a mid distance swimmer, um, I almost achieve that speed on the on the on the front end of a two hundred freestyle. And, and that's not uncommon. I hear, you know, if I talk to Tom Malchow, if I talk to any distance swimmer, any, they're, they're like, yeah, that's right. I understand. And as, 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 a, as, a sprint, as a sprint man, does that even make sense to you? I mean, I get it because I've seen it. But, <laughs> but I wouldn't say I experienced that so much. Only, I'd rather... Um, I have to take it into the realm of I've experienced that in when I'm trying to get into shape, right? And so uh, as having had a, a very lengthy and um, up and down career, uh, it's those periods like when I'm in the trough and really, really out of shape where I feel like I, could, I would try harder but get worse outcomes when I'd really want to just like find my rhythm and pace myself to get my conditioning underneath me. And then once the conditioning's there, then I can begin 
really honing in on the technique. And so I guess the first lesson in sprinting, if I'm Professor Sprinter or whatever it is that you opened for me, it's like everything comes uh, with a context, right? Like every swimmer is at a certain phase, whether that's uh, physical conditioning or even like your mental conditioning or mental acuity for taking this on. So what you'd want to do next really depends on where you are now. Okay. Uh, so, so there's no cookie cutter formula for it is, is kind of like my point. I can't just tell you, oh, just do this and expect you to be like, oh, now, now I know how to sprint. Well, I want to get into some details uh, in the beginning, but we're going to start off with really dumb questions because you never know. There might be a 12-year-old listening or a, or a new coach. But uh, toward the end of, of our talk, I'd like to, I'd like to, I'm hoping you'll bring us your, your wisdom through the lens of some of your performances. And, mm. um, but let's ask a dumb question. Do you feel anything when you swim a 50 free at a world championships or an Olympic games? Is there, is there, uh, when you have all that output and all that nitro, you know, what is the experience when you touch the wall? Are you feeling pain? No, 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 no pain, no pain. Usually I, I'm pretty good at targeting and that's what I think of, you know, the sports calendar is about targeting uh, those particular events, right? You have like your four-year calendar, you have your single year calendar for something like a world championships. And so it's kind of like target practice, right? Like you're trying to hit that bullseye and there's a, you're a particular distance from it. Um, and a lot of what happens between those two points, like where you are now versus that calendar point, uh, that's, I really just conceive of that as training. So during a lot of those performances along the way, there will be pain because I'm, my conditioning is there in one place, but not another. Um, and, but when I get to like the big show, there's no pain in the 50 free. If there's pain, that's, I messed up. I'm doing it wrong. Like, when you, like the, the pain of fatigue or like uh, of dying as we call it in swimming. Which frankly is frightening to me. It's um, uh, your, how you feel. And, and, you know, I was mid distance. So how you feel is, and, and, and as the, as pain enters your, your body, it, it, your, that those are cues to say, hold your stroke, keep your body position and, um, and use everything that you do in terms of training to, to keep you in place. But it, it, it's, and I think it would be maddening to be world-class in a sprint. And it's like, it's just, it seems like you vibrate in a rhythm and then boom, it's over. And you had to do everything perfectly. Well, you do everything as perfectly as you know how up to that point, right? And I, have, I haven't even been afraid of making changes between uh, prelims to semifinals to finals within one meet, right? So uh, there's, there's all kinds of calculated risk you take in like assessments of what you did before to continue to advance. Um, but yeah, as far as like, you know, the pain and, and the fatigue from a 50 free, no. But as you kind of like opened up with, when you're finding your rhythm, you know you're doing it right and it doesn't hurt as much. And it's like that for me for a 50 free at the end of a season. When you, when you, you you've achieved so much at the, in the 50. Uh, you, have, you have knowledge that this, you've forgotten more about this than, than some people will ever, ever know. When you see other athletes sprinting, um, do you, you're like, Oh, that's that stroke. And like in your brain, you're like, that's that style. And, um, do you, do you recognize different styles and what they're doing in a, in a blink 
when, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll say this when I, I don't understand that, but when I see you, when I saw you sprint, it looked, it, it looked silky. It looked smooth when you were on. And, um, you know, some people don't always look silky smooth, but it seems like there was something else going on. It was like, it was like a tiny percentage dial. And I'm like, Ooh, Tony's on. Do you, do you see that? And, you know, do you categorize that in your, in your mind, different styles of sprinters? Yes. So I, I definitely can watch other sprinters and I then set that up with a, with like a style of how they're doing it or, you know, I like, or at least I'm assuming, I think I see how they're doing it, where their real strengths are, perhaps where their weaknesses may be. Um, as for me and my, you know, I'm old school, Mel, I'm the old guy. And, um, you know, I come from the end of the last kind of era where uh, I wasn't in swimming because I was strong, right? So building strength wasn't ever like the easiest thing for me to do. I feel like these next generations of, uh, of sprinter, like building size and muscular power and strength is a little bit more um, natural for them. And so um, I always focused on my technique and then I brought strength kind of on the tail end of that, trying to coordinate the strength with the technique. You have to make the technique new as you acquire more strength. You know, for me, it had to be about efficiency. I couldn't just brute force my way to the end of a race and expect to be um, ahead of the others, right? And, you know, deep down, I am competitive. I try to put that aside when I'm in the moment of, of just getting getting it done. But, um, you know, in order to be my, my best, I knew it. I couldn't lead with power. I had to lead with precision and reinforce it with power. Did you, is, did you ever have your fast twitch fibers measured? Did you, did, did you, did you vertical leap test it? And like uh, Dressel's a 42 inch vertical leap. Do you know what your vertical leap is? Did you ever? No. 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 <laughs> Mine's no, six it, inches. It was so non-impressive that they, I, I kept no record of it in this vault up here. And nobody wrote that one down. <laughs> You should just be like, um, you should just come out and say, oh, my vertical leap was, was 46 inches. Just, you know, that's what I remember. Cause you know, you won at 35, you went at 19, you won at 35, but now, now, you know, now you're, you're entering your icon phase where it's like, you know, the, the master and you can say, ah, 46 inches. It was, it's recorded Is that, is that what somewhere. you do, Mel? What's that? Just, yeah. That's how <laughs> that you do you it. Do that's how just... you do it. <laughs> so you, do you, you Okay. So, um, in terms of a, in terms of a, in terms of speed and power, is it to you? And like, once again, mid distance swimmer, I, for me, it was, I couldn't, I was a terrible puller. Um, and my, and my freestyle came on when I, when I, uh, when I six beat kick, and I drive it. So I was very legs driven. Um, when, when, if you had to critique your own stroke, how would you describe the, the, the Irvin 50 free style? The Irvin 50 freestyle would be um, as long as while I'm getting stronger, I know I can apply more power to the water and apply the same amount of new energy to being efficient and to staying as small in the water, right? to bend my like the sensation like the, my ability to feel with my body in the water to make sure i'm not taking up too much space that i'm not creating drag with my own body 
that I am using this new power um, to get out of the way of hostile forces uh, in addition to creating force of propulsion. Um, so yeah, it's about always about doing more with less and then acquiring more so you can do even more with that. Um, yeah, just this, this I, don't, I don't know how else to describe it, but it's like a fixation on efficiency um, and not on waste. We just talked to uh, Fred Bousquet and um, we had him on first man under 21 seconds, 50 meter free. And it, when I think of his stroke, it's, he was, he was not the biggest guy in the world. He had, he, but his stroke seemed so big and it also seemed, it seemed like he was wider. It seemed, it seemed like it was, uh, it was very straight armed. It seemed like a big stroke. And what I just heard from you was you tried to get smaller, like in the barrel, smaller, moving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like a very different, different style. Is it, uh, do you see, do you ever see elite swimmers and be like, they're doing what I did or, or that's, that's a completely different style. Oh, well, everybody has to, of course, there, there were plenty of people that looked at what I did, especially back in the day, like in 2000 and, um, and looked at whatever the technical differences they, they thought I was doing that others hadn't before me and, and the, you imitate them. And I think part of the developmental process for every young swimmer is that you, you imitate and get to get better. You imitate, you imitate and you assimilate and you kind of amalgamate and put together the people that came before you um, until one day you, you kind of recognize that it's just you. And at that point forward, you need to be really your own artist and you need to be able to create your own style from that um, and be able to verify and just keep building on it. So, you know, as far as Fred Bousquet, I, I mean, be honest, he, he was he was active, or at least at his strongest point when I was out of the sport. He was in like the suit era, right? Um, so, you know, when I came back and I saw the suit stuff and like the incredible things that have been happening, but also kind of like watching some of the swimming and being like, those super suits really were able to um, add a particular kind of like strength to you. And when it was taken away, I mean, but it was just like one piece. It was like one piece of the technique. It's like, you don't need to worry about this anymore. You can focus on then all the other letters of the alphabet, but this letter is taken care of. Um, so, so maybe it just looked like a, a different kind of stroke. Um, I've never even worn one. So I, I can't really say much more other than just like what I may have seen and how I can overlay some philosophy onto it. You're a purist because of history. Nah. No, 19 years old, you, uh, you tie with Gary Hall and, um, and then at 35, you do it as a, you know, let's, let's, you know, in my opinion, I was angry and bitter. I wanted you to win in 12, but you came back and did it in 16. Very, very dramatic. Uh, what's the difference between, um, 19 year old, um, Tony and that, and that kind of speed and, and where you, with your mind, body connection and who you were and, and, and sprinter at 35. What's the deal? Is it is a stroke? How much has this stroke changed? My stroke, I think it changed a lot. If I look at it, it probably looks similar, but it, and our memories aren't great. You know, that, like I can barely remember what happened in, in Rio in 2016, let alone back in 2000. Um, but as I got older, as I got stronger, uh, my body changed. Just like the experiences I put my body through, even when I wasn't swimming, I changed my body. Um, the environment itself changed the environment of the sport. 
right? Just the facilities, the pools changed. The blocks were very different. Um, the the tech suits that we currently wear are, are still quite a degree more advanced than you know what we were wearing back in 2000. Um, so not even talking about the super suits, but that you know that changes what we're adapting to in the water. So um, you know, moreover, just like the sciences of nutrition and supplementation have had advanced and taking a lot of twists and turns and whatever was that became the flavor of the year. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like it was completely different. If I look at my technique and what I'm feeling for, like those first principles for me remained the same, but how those first principles got rendered into how I actually practiced them uh, were different. I think by a lot across the, the 16 years. Physically at 19, you, to me, you look like a little boy. I know, I'm not mm-hmm. going to say, you, I think you were, you look, you were, you, to me, you look childlike. And when I think of you at 35, um, okay, no, you're not the, the you, I wouldn't peg you as this is the power guy in the final by any stretch of the imagination. However, you got swole. You really, you, you were definitely a man. You have, I don't, do you, do you know in terms of comparison, like this body weight is how much more power, how much more muscle you put on your body? Yeah, yeah, pretty much 20 pounds difference, I would say. I was like um, maybe a buck 65. I, I built up to 165 going into, I think, Olympic trials in 2000. Uh, during taper, I always had a trouble keeping that weight on. So I probably raced at around 160. And then in Rio, um, you know, I was pushing myself over 180. Um, and it, you know, I, I don't think it really dropped below that. Um, when it came to race day, yeah. I, I, think I had a little like, you know, girdle of fat around me. I learned to accept that, you know, there's, there's a certain vanity that comes into play when you're an athlete, especially a professional athlete, if you have to um, do photo shoots and whatnot. So, you, you know, you, you kind of, you fall into the trap of venerating kind of like this, um, this chiseled look where the muscles, you can see the shape of them when really you're probably at your healthiest and you can perform at your best. Um, if it's a little bit softer and smoother all the way around. But I learned to accept that uh, in my older age. Mike Behrman, Olympic champion, 200-meter breaststroke, 92. Really exceptional talent. He used to say the same thing. I always thought it was a cop-out. I just thought he liked eating hamburgers. And he just told himself that. But since you said it, I'm, I'm actually, you know, I have a lot of respect for you, buddy. So I'm, I'm going to take you at your word. Yeah, you know, you got you got to do it. Stress isn't good for you. If you have to carry too much stress in the system, you don't recover as well. You're you're not as sharp. You're a little bit more jittery, or you're you're sharp, but it's an un- uncontrolled sharpness. So you want to have a little bit of comfort if you really want to to be your best in that kind of environment. One hundred and sixty bucks, Olympic champion, fifty free, nineteen. That I don't I don't I'm like. Is anyone going to win an Olympic medal in a, in a men's 50 free that's, that's 160 pounds? I, who out there is like that? Nobody's there. And th- I think that's another metric that you, you should be like, you need to like put that on your Instagram handle. <laughs> Just to my two cents, buddy. Hey, well, hey, we all have to work with what we got, right? I think that's what, if we're talking to a, if there's a 12 year old out there listening right now, uh, you know, you're still figuring out what you've got. I'm still figuring out what I've got. Uh, you learn to work with it. You make the best of it. You find examples that may have been like you. You learn from them. And then at the end, you have to be able to make it your own. But uh, there's no, there is no one size fits all. 
it's your size. Your size can fit it all. You just got to find your own way. Um, Michael Phelps is standing on deck with you and he's like, you know what? I'm been seventh at the wall, eighth at the wall in the hundred meter butterfly or whatever hundred he's doing. Definitely hundred meter free. And then he has to, he has to, you have to rely on everything coming home. And I own that last 15 meters, but I really would like to get out faster. If you, you know, this is, this is the experience of a lot of us. If you were giving a clinic to an elite who was in that bucket, what's the, what, what, what are the first few things that you would, you would teach them? On how to be faster in the first 15? Well, how to be faster, like, you know, there's a lot of swimmers who, who, who fake a sprint, like they're last at the wall at the 50 and, and 100 meters, but they can, you know, they can come home. They really don't have the sprint gear. What do you do to, what, you know, what, what, what are a few urban techniques to be like, hey, this will get you out faster? Well, I'd say that you, first off, uh, what you think I'm doing is you're wrong because <laughs> I build a 50 freestyle. I come home strong, except it's not home. I'm going and I'm not coming back and I'm going there and I'm leaving strong, leaving the other side of the pool strong. That is the first mistake that, that folks make who, who don't, who, who don't sprint. They get in and they're just like zero to 60. They're off. And, uh, and I have heard you say that you build the 50. I heard, heard a lot of people say they build the 50. So you're, you're building it, but you're moving into your rhythm very, very quickly. Um, yeah. and when, when you're in a, a 50 sprint, uh, is there any thought at all? What's, what's going through your head? It's going to be over in 20 seconds. It's just, uh, to use business vernacular, it's, it's just like I'm an operator, right? I'm just, um, I'm operating all the pieces, whatever, you know, there's any number of, of stages of, for, for me, for a 50 free, the more stages that I can identify to do something useful. Um, then the more complexity I can add to it and have the very simple result at the end. Um, but during the race, it's, it's really just, I'm kind of just managing the sensations I expect to feel um, and making sure I'm, I'm capturing them as I move from one stage of the race to its finish. Um, but I'm not thinking about anything else. I'm certainly not thinking about anything human, right? Like I'm not having emotions. I'm not thinking about any kind of future. I'm completely locked in the moment, just dealing with the machine of my own body. All the emotions and stuff, that's before and it's after. But during those 20 seconds, I, I've, I at least have enough uh, control to, to maintain it for that long. Are you, when you're in the, this 20 second bubble of just speed that's building? Um, building you, the uh, effort, uh, the, the velocity is not building. Okay, are you, um, are you like, if you're making a micro mistake, are you like, ooh, is that, is that registering? You're like, that wasn't right. Micro mistake? No. Yeah, Micro no. Mistake. no. You're not. You're not. You're just, not. Seeing, just you have, major mistakes. <laughs> just major mistakes. So it's something where it's like you you have to you have to get out of the pool, go down and see the replay, to see okay this was wrong. This is this is at the. Uh, yeah, you're often not aware of micro mistakes. Yeah, it would take review to identify the the micro and then overlay that into the next one. Try to make that change. Do you have a particular race where you're like, okay, that was fast, but here's, you know, if, you, if you're going down into, you know, and review your video and, and you know, mm -hmm. you pop a great 50, but you, you made mistakes. What, what, did, what would you see? Um, from video, I guess I would 
video outside analysis I, I was always looking more at my start to be honest with you and what was going on there um because as it turned out it was a, a lot of the energy that i would use uh whether for better or for worse on the start um had an effect like an like an energy economic effect by the end of the 50 right so figuring out what's going on in the beginning, what affects how I feel. And so I always felt it was very important to do that kind of video review, like right after the race, while the memory of what was going on is, is still in my body. So then I can make decisions on how to do it next, you know? And then I'd, I'd jump back in the pool from like a little bit of a warm up post-race. It'd be like a little bit of post-race warm down just to, to flush, not think too much, get out, watch the video, compare it with what, what I saw in the video with what I remember feeling with my body, then get back in the water, trying to, it's like, all right, so this is how I'm gonna deal with what I consider this, this micro um, like flaw or like error that I made. And, and kind of like try to embed it in muscle memory with that warm down uh, and feel good about it when I get out. And so that's like the last thing my body remembers is fixing that micro. You are working the algorithm. That's pretty, that's, that's interesting. I, I don't, I mean, I have never heard someone say that they would warm down, uh, review video and then jump back in and swim again to lay down the neural pathways. Yeah. Never, just, is, just on the, just on the technique component. Yeah. It's, do, it, do, do you know of anyone else who's done that? Any other elites who do that? Um, I don't know. No. There you go, folks. This is the professor of fast swimming, the maestro of speed. I think that's, no, I think that's interesting. It's always that you always wonder about elites and what they do. That's just a little bit different. And I, I think that's, that's pretty cool. That was a great nugget. Thank you, sir. Let's talk about 2012 and that start. Oh, okay. It's, and, and, and I, you know, the first question of course is, uh, and I'm, and, you know, you've probably talked about this endlessly. Um, I was, I, I've, I audibly yelled. Um, I was so emotionally caught up in that race because we are caught up in the 50. It's a, it's a, it is prime time television. And uh, when you flinched, so you flinch, what's going on in your brain? You have to be aware of what happened. What's going on in your brain from that point, point through to touching the wall? How does it affect you? Uh, are you talking about the final? Yeah. Um, Okay, well, I, I have to rewind a little bit. And uh, in semifinals, I had sublexed my shoulder. So I, I have had a bad shoulder, although it's kind of like the, the least of my major problems with my body now because I, I know how to manage it better. Um, and yeah, it's sublexed. And that hadn't happened too many times. So immediately um, after that, semifinal race that like there was a lot of pain a lot of inflammation in the shoulder and then a lot of fear right pain i mean what an incredible um controller of you or shaper direction that you take your mind and your spirit when you're in pain right and pain management wasn't something that i really felt like i needed to understand when i was younger but as i get older it's becoming more and more relevant um, as that can kind of like my physical pain can infect the lives of like my family um, so anyways, uh, this is not important for you 12 year olds, <laughs> but, um, so I was in such pain and such fear that, and I hadn't been able to really clear that out completely, despite the best intentions of the staff 
that were holding my hand through that. And so I was fearful when I stood up on that block, um, not fearful of any kind of results, um, like, like race results, performance results, but fearful that my arm was going to uh, fall out again and I was going to be in um, agonizing pain midair, um, potentially, I guess, just like catastrophic landing in the water. Um, so I was dealing with that and I was, I was just so, yeah, I didn't even want to grab the block because I was afraid if I grabbed it, then I can, it, my hand will stay there, but the arm will come out. Uh, and I just lost my balance. So I was kind of like weaving and, um, yeah, I could very well have been disqualified there. Uh, maybe the officials give me a pass because clearly my movement did nothing but hurt me <laughs> in the final results. What happens? You, okay. You, what happens when you hit the water and you know, you've made a mistake like that? Is this, are you, you mean when I, when I sublaxed? Yeah. Well, you, you know, you, you said you're an operator when you're, when you're, mm -hmm. when you're doing your 50, you're an operator. So what, <laughs> what happens to the operation? You have to, you're, how, how is the operations affected in that 50 meters? What was going through your, were you going crap, crap, or when you were swimming? Um, well, with, with the, uh, with the actual subluxing one, uh, the adrenaline kicked in and like the, the panic system, the, the true fight or flight system took over at that point. I had never really felt that before in the pool. Um, and there was a strange clarity, um, uh, with that from what I recall, um, as I tried to really gather the pieces back together and, and get back on with the race. Um, with the final, I, I don't really remember. I mean, you know, me having a bad start is not like a fresh or unique situation for me, or really, let's just say a slow start. Me having a slow start is not a unique situation for me. Um, there was a certain comfort, I guess, in knowing that my, my arm was in, in its socket as I entered the water, even if I was behind. And so it was like operations as normal, I guess, from that point. Um, but, um, you know, when, when things kind of go sideways, um, I trained for that. I feel like my, my teams have always trained for that kind of operating, even in, um, you know, we do like these power sets. Um, and there, there's always been a battery of drills where we would just be floating static and you have to go from zero to holding and carrying as much water and propelling yourself with as much velocity as possible. No wall involved, no block involved. Like these are, these are drills. These are like sprinter drills that we would do going from zero to, to max. So, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know. I answered that in any number of ways. Um, but yeah, you train for that. The operator in you trains for that for whatever can happen. In terms of your uh, coaches, coaching, and uh, is, is there any way, you know, you were with Marsh for a while, I was with Marsh for a while, I understand what he's about. Uh, is there, is there, you're a co-creator, I know, in, in your training. You're, you're, I know you're driving a lot of your workouts, but what's, uh, you know, what, what did you gain from each coach that were like, hey, I, this is a keeper, it's always gonna be with me. This is always going in the operating system. Okay. Um, I mean, they're all very important. Um, important for me because of whatever I was going through. And I, uh, I wouldn't say, uh, yeah, I've always been co-author. That becomes a little bit like stronger and more on the surface of it uh, as you get towards the end of the season. 
I take a little bit more charge and I, I lean more on the coaches during uh, the training side, uh, my teammates on the training side to make sure I'm, I'm putting in enough effort to, to actually build up. Um, let's see, Mike Bottom. I'll start with Mike Bottom, right? Uh, Mike Bar Bottom was, I mean, he was the psychologist. He was able to speak to me like um, the, the tempestuous son that I was. Um, not even really wanting to swim and to be in the sport and finding a way to reverse a psychology that into um, making me engaged and making me really like passionate about pursuing it. Right. Cause uh, back in 2000 sprinting wasn't, um, it wasn't looked at the way it is now. Right. College coaches didn't really recruit for swimmers 20 years ago or for sprinters. I mean, uh, they wanted uh, just 200 and up guys. Even like if you swam the 200, if that was your best event in high school, you're a sprinter. And so it was, it was a different, it was a different kind of like recruiting and, 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 and just in seeing and swimming and what was like respected and kind of what was grudgingly accepted. Um, and, and that's changed. So, but Mike was at the beginning of that, of like acceptance for who I was and allowing me to really thrive in that. Um, and so I was able to reach like a, a whole nother level of potential because, because of it. Um, and it imbued like a positivity into my own curiosity about how swimming technique works. That has always stayed with me, right? That wasn't, uh, maybe that was there as a developmental, like in high school, um, but it wasn't like conscious. I wasn't aware of my own curiosity. I didn't deliberately try to like pump oxygen into that. Um, but because of Mike, it was like a deliberate, it became like a deliberate understanding of fueling your own curiosity. See, fast forward, um, you know, actually, you know, when I first returned to the sport, it was with Terry McKeever, who had, there was a, a very strong, like maternal instincts where she told me after the fact, like, you know, post London and um, that she knew the day that I got back in the water, completely out of shape that I still had the gift and that I could be at the Olympic trials, if not the Olympics again. Like she said, she knew right away that she did not tell me that because she knew how brittle I was, that there was still like a very small, scared child in me. And that if she came out right away, be like, you could be Olympic champion again, Anthony, that I would, I would have folded like a house of cards. She knew that. And so she, she nurtured me and really tried to, allow me to be in an environment where I was enjoying what I was doing. And it wasn't about the competition of it. And that was great. And that was necessary. And she saw that, like she knew that that was deliberate on her part. Um, a year with her about, and then I was right. I was like, you know what? I should actually give this a go. And in January or like December, January of the Olympic year of 2012, that's when I joined Dave Durden. And with that, it was, you know, Dave has a great, he has great charisma on deck. He's actually very motivational when it comes to those, the, the training days that require emotion, right? Like test set days, like he's great on deck for that. All the other days, like, um, you know, training days and the way he designs his workout, I can completely see where he comes from the engineering background, Right. Like I, I can see the models at work uh, every day. I knew what to expect. There was a reliability with that. 
And with that kind of reliability, it makes it easier to put in the work. Um, you know, and that's almost like uh, the sprinter's version of becoming a middle distance or a distance swimmer. See, from Durden, I went down to Salo. And Salo, I, uh, I learned a lot of things there, but um, uh, I haven't thought about that in a while. But it was a great opportunity because um, I was coaching at the same time as that as well. So I, I got a look kind of like behind the curtain of how these coaches, like at a collegiate level or elite level, um, how they actually think about like what they're doing, how they're operating as coaches amongst each other to deal with all these talented swimmers who all have their own needs. Uh, they all have their own desires. Uh, they all have their own insecurities. Um, they all, um, and learning how to like effectively manage that and bring the most out of it. You know, um, and then I went to David Marsh, right? And for me, that was, it almost felt like um, this was something that was meant to happen for a long time because uh, I knew that, you know, Mike had gotten his start as a sprint coach, uh, you know, on, over at Auburn with David Marsh and the same thing with Dave Durden. Uh, Dave Durden, you know, actually he, he came up coaching first, I think with Salo. He was one of Salo's assistant coaches. And then he went under, under David. And for me, it was like, like being there was like, I, then I was like putting those pieces together. It's like, oh, Mike got this from David. But David's, David's way of doing it is like X. So it's like, I can almost see the second generation of X in Mike. And then the second generation of Y from David in Durden. Um, but, it, you know, but it all kind of goes back to Marsh and seeing that he's like the mad professor, right? Uh, and at the same time, like a, like a gambler. <laughs> um, and I thought we had a, a great relationship, right? Uh, just like being able to talk curiously around things. And I had a confidence with, um, with how I wanted to co-write, you know, in, in the, the late stage. Um, and it seemed very easy. And he had a way of really helping me address my big like my Achilles heel, which had always been my start. And once we, and he, you know, he, he brought in the piece of, of, of technique, um, uh, not technique of most the word. Anyway, it's called the Kistler. It's a, it's a piece of computerized equipment allowed us to do data with video. And I was able for the first time to really figure out where I was losing all my speed on the start. Right. And cause I was hitting it analog before I was like, just gotta like try harder push more, kick harder. And that was like the wrong approach. And that's everything what I don't do while I'm swimming, but I felt I had to do that in the land component and the transition component. Um, but with this piece of equipment, I saw where the flaw was and it was like a eureka moment. And David told me, he's like, okay, well now that you know what's wrong, let's rebuild the start from the very beginning. And he sent me to the little kiddie pool where they teach some lessons. It's only like, uh, like three feet deep. And he's like, all right, um, you know, stand at the edge. I'm like, okay. It's like, all right, now get down on one knee. I'm like, okay, I get down on one knee, one foot on the edge. It's like, put your arms up in the streamline. Now fall in the pool. Don't hit the bottom. And I'm like, well, this is how I taught kids how to do their start when I was doing swim lessons in New York. Uh, like the very beginning. He's like, yep, this is what we're doing at the very beginning. 
We're going to start at the very beginning like this. I want you to be thinking about this new discovery, right, of, of, of correcting this flaw. And so that I, I was over there just like a little kid, like a little six-year-old falling into the pool from one knee over the edge. Uh, did that a dozen times. Then I stood up and went back to the, the normal pool, standing at the edge, streamline, fall in. Then I was jumping from the edge and then I was standing on the block doing it, right? And within that one afternoon, it was like I, I, had, I had planted the seeds of putting it into muscle memory of correcting this, uh, what for me was an ancient flaw <laughs> in, my, in, my, in my start and dive. And there was a confidence in that, but I also knew that I, I needed to have the openness, uh, the humility uh, to be treated like a child, right? Like, like a new beginner. And I know I've encountered this, you know, later down the line, they, they call it the beginner's mind of, of not having an ego when you go into something. And it's incredibly hard to have a beginner's mind when uh, you view yourself and others view you as being an expert in something, right? And so you, you don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to be a victim of that kind of a tragedy when, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to be tied up in the ego of my own greatness. So I kind of just like, all right, let's do it. Let me be a beginner again. Um, and, you know, so th there was a sense of rebirth there with, uh, with David Marsh and that. And um, as we saw, right, I, I went to trials, made the team, and then uh, I went to Rio. It's like, there's, there's not much to say about that part of the story. You just like everything operated as it was supposed to. Uh, and, and anything that came along the way, I almost felt like I, was, I had built in enough space to deal with any micro problems uh, as they appeared. Clarity for clarity. Your, what was your Achilles sure. heel? The Achilles heel, the, 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 the flaw. Um, drag. So the drag point was I was entering the water. Okay. And there was a point where my low, so if this is my hands, tip my finger, my finger joint here where the hand meets, those are my hips. There was a point where I'd go in and then I'd turn and then my legs, my hips down would go deeper, right? So the whole thing was like, do not let my hips, from my hips down ever go deeper than the front of my body, right? So it's kind of like, just go flatten out and then go up. So, I mean, you know, like on this part of the curve, it's deeper, but that's not what I mean. I mean like the maximum depth, so. For those people who are listening yeah. on a download, Anthony is, is basically showing me it's like his, so your, your arms, your head, your hips could not go below that, that parallel. That and that maximum would drive depth. Maximum depth. Yeah. yeah. Maximum or like depth. Uh, hips can reach the maximum depth, but let's say like uh, knees and toes couldn't go below that because that becomes like the absolute form of drag. That but is, I couldn't ever feel that. And no coach could ever see that from above the water. There you go. So you had to watch it. Back to video. Back to video. And then we had the computational power to actually do, tell us what exactly the velocity was in every single part of it. And at that point, when my legs went below that, that threshold, velocity just bottomed out. We are, we are winding down. We got to close it up. We got about three more minutes. Um, I just, you know, dumb questions, uh, meddling at 19, meddling at 35. I, I mean, I think meddling when you're 35, a full grown adult, 
you have so much life experience. That has to be just a completely different experience. What, 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 what was the, you know, an achievement, it has meaning to it. What, what was different at 35? 35, I knew how many incredible people had really helped me reach that point. And I don't mean just, uh, just my coaches and my teammates, although they were absolutely critical, um, but just people in my personal life, my friends, my family, um, those that have stuck with me through the entire 20-year cycle or 16-year cycle or more in the case of, of, of my family. So, you know, that, that's the pure moment of victory for me. Uh, any yells, anything that I, I let out was, it was to thank them. Deep gratitude. Um, I didn't have that when I was 19. Humility and gratitude. That's what I'm hearing. Uh, we, we've got about two more minutes. The, you know, what's going on in your life now? What's, what's happening? Are you, are you in the water? Are you, are you, I am. It, it's a little bit, been a little bit more recent. I've been in the water, uh, for a few weeks now. Um, you know, I'm spending most of my time really just tending to my family. Uh, so now I'm actually going to go and, and pick up my daughter <laughs> pretty soon from school. And, uh, that's the end of my day, right? My time in the office is coming to an end. Well, if I, if I talk to, to, we talked to Natalie, it might've been a month ago and Natalie's like, uh, I'm like, are you retired? And she goes, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to race and I'm going to, I'm racing as a pro. She goes, I don't know if I'm going to do national teams. I think that's off the table. She goes, but I'm, you're going to see me race as a pro. And, uh, you know, that door is open always, but you have, you know, you defy, you, you redefy everything in age. Um, you know, what's your mindset? Are you going to, will you race pro race for money? What would you, will you shoot for a national team? You know, what's, um, are you a guy that's going to be 55 and like trying to break the master's world record? You know, what's, what is your swimming future? I don't know, Mel, right? Like I'm not in necessarily in charge of whether I can, I can swim pro and swim for money. Right. That, that's kind of a, an invitation thing. <laughs> I don't think I have any right to, say, I, you have to pay me money if you want me to, to swim. Um, I do know that swimming and just, just taking care of my body is, is important for my health, right? If I let things fall apart, which is as they have, you know, through the course of uh, these lockdowns. And I've had to do a couple quarantines now um, from crossing borders and whatnot. And it just wrecks havoc upon my body. And I'm way unhealthier if I do nothing. So you know, I know I want to take care of myself. I know my mood. I know everything I do outside of the pool is better and more optimistic and more positive for those around me. Um, if I am kind of, you know, chasing that dragon in the water, at least a little bit, what that means, like as far as like racing community, is it just master's meets? Sh sure. That's it. it will be. Will it be more than that? Well, am I going to be at trials? I certainly hope so. Will I be in the finals at trials? Well, well, too hard too early to say i've never made promises in these kinds of things Mel. i'm not asking for promises i'm just checking out our friend <laughs> i love your library i just have to say it if you're listening out there and you, you you're not watching the video he's uh it's it's a well-appointed library behind him it's beautiful which is a background yeah it's a virtual background it's a virtual I, background i wish uh, you're you're sweet library. to come on. I feel like I'm, I, I have a little more knowledge, certainly more respect for you and your process and hearing about the, the experience you had with all the coaches. 
uh, it, that felt like a master class. Will you come back on for the right topic, buddy? Sure. It's always good to talk to you, Mel. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swim Podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.